This is day 164 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Ezekiel chapters 13 through 17. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for a new day of refreshed hope and a renewal of our spirit, Lord. Another day of life that we take for granted so often. Lord, may we change the way that we see things. May we bless you for everything that you've given us daily. May we remember that everything is a gift from you, that we don't take it for granted, and we bring it back to you in your glory. As we enter into your word today, please help us to increase in wisdom and in fortitude and in self-control. As we enter into your word to grow in wisdom, may we be guided by your, your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy, and say to those who prophesy for their own inspiration, Listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. You have not gone up into the breaches, nor did you build the wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. They see falsehood and lying divination, who are saying, The Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope for the fulfillment of their word. Do you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you said, The Lord declares? but it is not I who have spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Because you have spoken falsehood and seen a lie, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. So my hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will have no place in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel. Nor will they enter the land of Israel, that you may know that I am the Lord God. It is definitely because they have misled my people by saying, Peace, when there is no peace. And when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster it over with whitewash. So tell these who plaster it over with whitewash that it will fall. Flooding rain will come. And you, O hailstones, will fall, and a violent wind will break out. Behold, when the wall has fallen, will you not be asked, Where is the plaster with which you have plastered it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will make a violent wind break out in my wrath. There will also be in my anger a flooding rain and hailstones to consume it in wrath. So I will tear down the wall which you plastered over with whitewash to bring it down to the ground, so that its foundation is laid bare. And when it falls, you will be consumed in its midst, and you will know that I am the Lord. Thus I will spend my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered it over with whitewash. And I will say to you, The wall is gone and its plasterers are gone along with all the prophets of Israel who prophesy to Jerusalem, and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, 
declares the Lord God. Now you, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who are prophesying for their own inspiration. Prophesy against them and say, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the women who sew magic bands on all wrists and make veils for the heads of persons of every stature to hunt down lives. Will you hunt down the lives of my people, but preserve the lives of others for yourself? For handfuls of barley and fragments of bread, you have profaned me to my people to put to death some who should not die and to keep others alive who should not live. By your lying to my people, who listen to lies. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against your magic bands, by which you hunt lives there as birds, and I will tear them from your arms, and I will let them go, even those whose lives you hunt as birds. I will also tear off your veils, and deliver my people from your hands and they will no longer be in your hands to be hunted, and you will know that I am the Lord. Because you disheartened the righteous with falsehood when I did not cause him grief, but have encouraged the wicked not to turn from their wicked ways and preserve his life, therefore you women will no longer see false visions or practice divination, and I will deliver my people out of your hand. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. Then some elders of Israel came to me and sat down before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts, and have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them, Thus says the Lord God, Any man of the house of Israel who sets up his idols in his heart puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity and then comes to the prophet. I, the Lord, will be brought to give him an answer in the matter in view of the multitude of his idols in order to lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me through all their idols. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent and turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel, or of the immigrants who stay in Israel, who separates himself from me, sets up idols in his heart, puts right before his face the stumbling block of his iniquity, and then comes to the prophet, to inquire of me for himself. I, the Lord, will be brought to answer him in my own person. I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb. I will cut him off from among my people. So you will know that I am the Lord. But if the prophet is prevailed upon to speak a word, it is I, the Lord, who have prevailed upon that prophet and I will stretch out my hand against him and destroy him from among my people Israel. They will bear the punishment of their iniquity, 
as the iniquity of the inquirer is, so the iniquity of the prophet will be, in order that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me and no longer defile themselves with all their transgressors. They will bear the punishment of their iniquity, as the iniquity of the inquirer is, so the iniquity of the prophet will be, in order that the house of Israel may no longer stray from me and no longer defile themselves with all their transgressions. Thus they will be my people, and I shall be their God, declares the Lord God. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, if a country sins against me by committing unfaithfulness, and I stretch out my hand against it, destroy its supply of bread, send famine against it, and cut off from it both man and beast, even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in its midst, by their own righteousness they could only deliver themselves declares the Lord God. If I were to cause wild beasts to pass through the land, and they depopulated it, and it became desolate so that no one would pass through it because of the beasts, though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their sons or their daughters. They alone would be delivered, but the country would be desolate. Or if I should bring a sword on that country, and say, Let the sword pass through the country, and cut off man and beast from it, even though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their sons or their daughters, but they alone would be delivered. Or if I should send a plague against that country, and pour out my wrath in blood on it, to cut off man and beast from it, even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in its midst. As I live, declares the Lord God, they could not deliver either their son or their daughter. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness. For thus says the Lord God, How much more, when I send my four severe judgments against Jerusalem, sword, famine, wild beasts, and plague, to cut off man and beast from it. Yet behold, survivors will be left in it who will be brought out, both sons and daughters. Behold, they are going to come forth to you, and you will see their conduct and actions. Then you will be comforted for the calamity which I have brought against Jerusalem, for everything which I have brought upon it. Then they will comfort you when you see their conduct and actions. For you will know that I have not done in vain whatever I did to it, declares the Lord God. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, how is the wood of the vine better than any wood of a branch who is among the trees of the forest? Can wood be taken from it to make anything? Or can man take a peg from it on which to hang any vessel? If it has been put into the fire for fuel, and the fire has consumed both of its ends, and its middle part has been charred, is it then useful for anything? Behold, while it is intact, it is not made into anything. 
how much less, when the fire has consumed it and it is charred, can it still be made into anything? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, As the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so have I given up the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I set my face against them. Though they have come out of the fire, yet the fire will consume them. Then you will know that I am the Lord, when I set my face against them. Thus I will make the land desolate, because they have acted unfaithfully, declares the Lord God. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations, and say, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in cloths. No eye looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for you were abhorred on the day you were born. When I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood, I said to you while you were in your blood, Live! Yes, I said to you while you were in your blood, Live! I made you numerous like plants of the field. Then you grew up, became tall, and reached the age for fine ornaments. Your breasts were formed, and your hair had grown. Yet you were naked and bare. Then I passed by you and saw you, and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. I also swore to you and entered into a covenant with you so that you became mine, declares the Lord God. Then I bathed you with water, washed off your blood from you, and anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered cloth and put sandals of porpoise skin on your feet. I have wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your hands and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nostril, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your dress was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, and oil, so you were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Then your fame went forth among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was perfect because of my splendor which I bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. But you trusted in your beauty and played the harlot because of your fame, and you poured out your harlotries on every passerby who might be willing. You took some of your clothes, made for yourselves high places of various colors, and played the harlot on them, which should never come about 
nor happen. You also took your beautiful jewels made of my gold and of my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself male images that you might play the harlot with them. Then you took your embroidered cloth and covered them, and offered my oil and my incense before them. Also my bread, which I gave you, fine flour, oil, and honey, with which I fed you, you would offer before them for a soothing aroma. So it happened, declares the Lord God. Moreover, you took your sons and daughters, whom you had borne to me, and sacrificed them to idols to be devoured. Were your harlotries so small a matter? You slaughtered my children and offered them up to idols by causing them to pass through the fire. Besides all your abominations and harlotries, you did not remember the days of your youth, when you were naked and bare and squirming in your blood. Then it came about after all your wickedness, woe, woe to you, declares the Lord God, that you built yourself a shrine and made yourself a high place in every square. You built for yourself a high place at the top of every street and made your beauty abominable, and you spread your legs to every passerby to multiply your harlotry. You also played the harlot with the Egyptians, your lustful neighbors, and multiplied your harlotry to make me angry. Behold now, I have stretched out my hand against you and diminished your rations, and I delivered you up to the desire of those who hate you, the daughters of the Philistines, who are ashamed of your lewd conduct. Moreover, you played the harlot with the Assyrians because you were not satisfied. You played the harlot with them and still were not satisfied. You also multiplied your harlotry with the land of merchants, Chaldea. Yet even with this, you were not satisfied. How languishing is your heart, declares the Lord God, while you do all these things, the actions of a bold-faced harlot. When you built your shrine at the beginning of every street, and made your high place in every square, and disdaining money, you were not like a harlot. You adulterous wife, who takes strangers instead of her husband. Men gave gifts to all harlots, but you give your gifts to all your lovers, to bribe them to come to you from every direction for your harlotries. Thus you are different from those women in your harlotries, in that no one plays the harlot as you do, because you give money, and no money is given you. Thus you are different. Therefore, O harlot, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Because your lewdness was poured out and your nakedness uncovered through your harlotries with your lovers and with all your detestable idols, and because of the blood of your sons which you gave to idols, therefore, behold, I will gather all your lovers with whom you took pleasure, even all those whom you loved and all those whom you hated. So I will gather them against you from every direction, and expose your nakedness to them, that they may see all your nakedness. Thus I will judge you 
like women who commit adultery or shed blood, are judged. And I will bring on you the blood of wrath and jealousy. I will also give you into the hands of your lovers, and they will tear down your shrines, demolish your high places, strip you of your clothing, take away your jewels, and leave you naked and bare. They will incite a crowd against you, and they will stone you and cut you to pieces with their swords. They will burn your houses with fire and execute judgments on you in the sight of many women. Then I will stop you from playing the harlot, and you will also no longer pay your lovers. So I will calm my fury against you, and my jealousy will depart from you, and I will be pacified and angry no more. Because you have not remembered the days of your youth, but have enraged me by all these things, behold, I in turn will bring your conduct down on your own head, declares the Lord God, so that you will not commit this lewdness on top of all your other abominations. Behold, everyone who quotes Proverbs will quote this proverb concerning you, saying, Like mother, like daughter. You are the daughter of your mother, who loathed her husband and children. You are also the sister of your sisters, who loathed their husbands and children. Your mother was a Hittite, and your father an Amorite. Now your older sister is Samaria, who lives north of you with her daughters. And your younger sister, who lives south of you, is Sodom with her daughters. Yet you have not merely walked in their ways or done according to their abominations, but, as if that were too little, you acted more corruptly in all your conduct than they. Sodom, your sister, and her daughters have not done as you or your daughters have done. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, and careless ease but she did not help the poor and needy. Thus they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore I removed them when I saw it. Furthermore, Samaria did not commit half of your sins, for you have multiplied your abominations more than they. Thus you have made your sisters appear righteous by all your abominations which you have committed. Also bear your disgrace in that you have made judgment favorable for your sisters. Because of your sins in which you acted more abominably than they, they are more in the right than you. Yes, be also ashamed and bear your disgrace in that you made your sisters appear righteous. Nevertheless, I will restore their captivity the captivity of Sodom and her daughters, the captivity of Samaria and her daughters, and along with them your own captivity, in order that you may bear your humiliation and feel ashamed for all that you have done when you became a consolation to them. Your sisters, Sodom with her daughters and Samaria with her daughters, will return to their former state and you with your daughters will also return to your former state. As the name of your sister Sodom was not heard from your lips 
in your day of pride, before your wickedness was uncovered, so now you have become the reproach of the daughters of Edom and all who are around her, of the daughters of the Philistines, those surrounding you who despise you. You have borne the penalty of your lewdness and abominations, the Lord God declares. For thus says the Lord God, I will also do with you as you have done, you who have despised the oath by breaking the covenant. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you receive your sisters, both your older and your younger, and I will give them to you as daughters, but not because of your covenant. Thus I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Lord, so that you may remember and be ashamed and never open your mouth any more because of your humiliation, when I have forgiven you for all that you have done, the Lord God declares. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, propound a riddle and speak a parable to the house of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord God, A great eagle with great wings, long pinions, and a full plumage of many colors, came to Lebanon and took away the top of the cedar. He plucked off the topmost of its young twigs and brought it to the land of merchants. He set it in the city of traders. He also took some of the seed of the land and planted it in fertile soil. He placed it beside abundant waters. He set it like the willow. Then it sprouted and became a low spreading vine with its branches turned toward him, but its roots remained under it. So it became a vine and yielded shoots and sent out branches. But there was another great eagle with great wings and much plumage, and behold, the vine bent its roots toward him and sent out its branches toward him from the beds where it was planted, that he might water it. It was planted in good soil beside abundant waters, that it might yield branches and bear fruit and become a splendid vine. Say, thus says the Lord God, Will it thrive? Will he not pull up its roots and cut off its fruit, so that it withers, so that all its sprouting leaves wither? And neither by great strength nor by many people can it be raised from its roots again. Behold, though it is planted, will it thrive? Will it not completely wither as soon as the east wind strikes it, wither on the beds where it grew? Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Say now to the rebellious house, Do you not know what these things mean? Say, Behold, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took its kings and princes, and brought them to him in Babylon. He took one of the royal family and made a covenant with him, putting him under oath. He also took away the mighty of the land, that the kingdom might be in subjection, not exalting itself, but keeping his covenant that it might continue. But he rebelled against him 
by sending his envoys to Egypt, that they might give him horses and many troops. Will he succeed? Will he, who does these things, escape? Can he indeed break the covenant and escape? As I live, declares the Lord God, surely in the country of the king, who put him on the throne, whose oath he despised, and whose covenant he broke, in Babylon he shall die. Pharaoh, with his mighty army and great company, will not help him in the war, when they cast up ramps and build siege walls to cut off many lives. Now he despised the oath by breaking the covenant, and behold, he pledged his allegiance, yet did all these things. He shall not escape. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, As I live, surely my oath which he despised and my covenant which he broke, I will inflict on his head. I will spread my net over him, and he will be caught in my snare. Then I will bring him to Babylon and enter into judgment with him there regarding the unfaithful act which he has committed against me. All the choice men in all his troops will fall by the sword and the survivors will be scattered to every wind. And you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. Thus says the Lord God, I will also take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and set it out. I will pluck from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the high mountain of Israel I will plant it, that it may bring forth bows, and bear fruit, and become a stately cedar. And birds of every kind will nest under it. They will nest in its shade of its branches. All the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. I bring down the high tree, exalt the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will perform it. Let's take a look at what we've read today. There's plenty here to talk about. Chapter 13 is an interesting chapter because it refers to a certain kind of false prophet. And in this day, there were two kinds of false prophets that God was upset about. One was the ones that were openly defying God, being the ones that are like prophets of Baal, for example. But then there's the other kind of prophet, which in God's eyes, is much worse. And those are the ones that falsely proclaim the word of the Lord. He absolutely hates that because it misrepresents him and it mocks him to his face. And so he calls them out throughout chapter 13 and enters into judgment with these false prophets, that they will be utterly destroyed, discredited, they will lose their influence, they're going to lose their citizenship to the land of Israel, and they're going to be removed. And then when you get to verse 8 and through verse 16, it reminds me of a parable that Jesus spoke of, and this is the one where he talks about the man who builds his house on the rock versus building his house on the sand, and great was its fall. And that's kind of what you see here from all this. In addition, you also see what Jesus was talking about to the Pharisees when he calls them whitewashed tombs. 
So what does that mean? Whitewash was a material that would improve the appearance of something. So like when Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, he called them whitewashed tombs, meaning that on the outside they looked nice and clean and elegant because of the whitewash, but then when you open it up, it's full of dead bones. And in the same way, the whitewash is symbolic of these prophets saying, yeah, everything's just fine. And then it's not okay, because God is against them. So that's that very same perception here, is that it's a false whitewash. It's a false appearance of holiness. And God is deeply offended by that. That is why it's extremely important for anyone who worships the Lord to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Absolutely in the truth section. Why? Because if God is misrepresented, or if we are teaching something contrary to what the Bible says, even if it's out of ignorance, that can damage relationships, and that could damage people's view of the Lord. It is extremely important that we represent God accurately. And if we're teaching a false gospel, we're teaching a false doctrine, that's a responsibility that God has addressed in the New Testament, that it will come back on us. Those who teach the Word of God are going to be more scrutinized. They are under greater condemnation if they lead people astray. I know that being a responsibility of mine. So, therefore, I take my job very seriously when it comes to speaking the Word of God accurately. I don't always do the right thing in my personal life. I don't always spend my time wisely, but when it comes down to speaking the Word of God to a group of people or to an individual, I will not forsake the Lord's counsel. I will not show him in a false light. I refuse to, because God will deal with me appropriately, not only for any sin in my life, but especially if I'm speaking lies. And in the integrity of my heart, I do not want to speak lies, because that is not what we're called to do. We're called to speak in truth. And I'm not worried about deceiving people. I'm worried about angering my Lord and being disrespectful to Him. Then we go to verse 17, where it talks about a group of people, looks like women, who put on these magic bands. So apparently what this was, it was some sort of sorcery. They used some sort of occultic powers to put curses on people, and they would bind them somehow to these wristbands, as if they were bracelets or something like that. Not quite sure, but it was one of those things where, yeah, you wear this and it'll give you uh, life and prosperity and all this stuff, but Instead, what it would do is it would curse people. And God is very upset with them, and he has declared that he will utterly stop them by any means necessary. Chapter 14 addresses the issue of spiritual leaders that are idolaters. And those are the worst ones, because again, the level of influence that they have. Elders and Authority figures are people that others look to. And if those people are the ones that are corrupt at the core, 
And imagine how many people are going to be led astray. Think about all these cults out there. Think about all these false religions people believe. And how many people have led them astray. It's really sad. It's really sad when you see that. And God addresses them properly by saying in verse 3, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. It doesn't even have to be a physical idol. It is an idol in their heart. And they have put right before their faces the stumbling block of their iniquity. Should I be consulted by them at all? Why are they coming to me when they are completely in defiance of me? How does that make any sense, Ezekiel? Do you see the hypocrisy here? Do you see how laughable this situation is? They're living however they choose to live, and then they come to me? Why should I answer them? So then he tells Ezekiel what he wants from them, and it's the same answer it's going to be for all sin. We see this in verse 6. Thus says the Lord God, Repent, and turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. It's very simple what is required. The execution of it is a completely different thing, right? We all have those issues in our lives that are hard to give up. But the instruction, the command from God is very simple and straightforward. Repent and return. God will deal with falsehood. And when it comes to what's going on with Judah at this time, with the nation of Israel as a whole, he mentions three particular names. He mentions Noah, Daniel, and Job. Now, let me be clear. Perhaps I was incorrect in some of the stuff that I had been saying before when it came to the timeline of what's going on in Ezekiel's ministry. So, the way that it's described at the beginning of the book is in such a way that it's like it was during the exile. And some of it is, but Ezekiel's ministry really started shortly before Judah was taken over by Babylon. So it's hard to tell where in the timeline this particularly is. But what's very interesting about this is the the names of these people. We already know who Noah and Job are. And if we're reading the Bible for the first time, we haven't gotten to Daniel yet. He's actually the next book in the Bible. Timeline-wise, though, this likely has not even happened yet, or it's right in the middle of the time period where Daniel is just starting his life in Babylon. So what's very interesting about this is that this is a future foretelling of who Daniel is. Because before this, there was no famous person named Daniel that was righteous. So this is very interesting on how in the timeline it falls into place, because what we show from the history records that between 60 to 80 years after this time period that Ezekiel's in is when Daniel dies. So he's either very young right now, or none of this has even happened yet. So that's astounding to think about. But why is this important that he talked about these three men? For one, it's to show us as a group of people in the contemporary world, as well as to the readers of this day, that Job and Noah 
were historical people. They were not stories. They were not legends. They were actual historical human beings. And that's important because you see that also in certain names like Adam, because there were some people, even in this time period, that thought the person Adam was not a real person. He was an illustration of mankind in general or so on and so forth, but he was an actual man named Adam. And that's important to note. So God was so upset and he had such a judgment for Judah that even if these three guys, some of the most righteous men that ever walked the earth, were in the middle of those cities, he would not spare the cities for their sake. He would rescue them, like it says here. They would only be able to deliver themselves, but everyone else would be destroyed. That's how upset God is with these people. In chapter 15 and 16, God is giving two different parables here. In chapter 15, we have the parable of the fruitless vine. And so he describes how a vine would grow and then eventually go into the fire, but then it never produced anything. So what good was it if it never produced any fruit? And that's the whole point that he's making here, is that if you are a vine of God, and you are producing no fruit, then you're useless. Think about what Jesus said, that he was the vine and we are the branches. And apart from him, we can do nothing. And that's the whole point here, is if you are apart from God, you are going to be utterly useless to his kingdom. So it's very important that we stay close to the source of life. And then in chapter 16, it is the parable of the adulterous woman. And there is a lengthy description of how God is describing the situation with the nation of Israel in general. That, for example, when they were born, that no one cut their umbilical cord, no one clothed them, no one cared about them. And then God walked by. And isn't this beautiful? He walked by and he saw their humble state. And he felt sorry for them and he felt compassion for them. So he clothed them. He gave them the best of the lands, gave them the best of the foods, all the prosperous resources, delivered them by the hand out of Egypt, but gave them everything they could ever want. And all he asked for was obedience. And despite that, they they lost sight of their origin. Instead, what did they do? They became harlots. They became prostitutes. And there's some really graphic language in here about how God describes this, but it is that level that they were. And it even goes later on where he compares Judah to Sodom. I mean, that's a big deal because Sodom was completely wiped out for having no righteous people in it. The ones that were there were delivered out of it. You're compared to Sodom. And for all this time, we've been talking about the northern kingdom of Israel compared to the southern kingdom of Judah, and the northern kingdom of Israel was always idolatrous and was always sinning from its very beginning. But yet God declares that they 
were worse than Israel. Wow. Even though they had some good kings in there, they were worse in their idolatry and in their harlotries. That they made them look righteous compared to them. That's how serious this has gotten. This is how far gone it has gotten. And if you look at the state of our nation in America today, we're not there yet. We're on the path to it, but we're not there yet to the point where righteousness is unrecognizable. We're not there. There are still plenty of people who are fighting, and there's still hope. We will not be utterly destroyed unless it's God's will. But given God's track record with how he handles these things, it's not time yet. There is still hope. But nonetheless, God will punish the wicked and those who have sold their souls to something else. But what's beautiful about this is despite all this evil and all these atrocities that the nation had committed, beginning in verse 53, he talks about how he's going to restore them. Isn't that our God? He is a God of judgment and justice, but he's also a God of love and compassion. He does not want to punish them, but he knows he has to. But then he wants to restore them because he loves them. We are no different from this nation. We were also prostitutes in the world when it came to selling our souls to different things, being lost in our sin. And the Lord walked by and he had compassion on us. He had compassion on me five years ago, almost six years ago, when he saw that I could not deliver myself. I was so far gone in my spirit that I was in such darkness, I never would have pulled myself out of it. But praise God, he had the love for me to pull me out of my situation, and he has the love for you. You who have tasted of the Lord's goodness, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I am grateful to God every day for not being the man I was almost six years ago. I am different now because I've called to, I have been called to a higher purpose. And I have affections for the Lord that I've never had because he put that in there. Things are different now because God passed by, saw me in my filth and in my nakedness, and he had compassion on me. I take this very personally because this happens to all believers. We know what this is like. And don't we want that for everybody else? Isn't that what we're trying to do? Isn't that what's at stake? What's in it for me? That, that's what's in it for you. Getting people to taste of God's goodness. By sharing of your faith with him, with people. Sharing the gospel that will save their souls. So that they can taste the Lord's goodness. That's why we do what we do. Praise the Lord for having compassion on wretches like us. And lastly, chapter 17 is yet a third parable. And this time is about the parable of two different eagles. So if we know what a parable is, a parable is a story that teaches something. It is a earthly story that teaches a heavenly principle. And so there's something deeper in here that he's trying to show us. And so some of this is directly correlated to 
what's actually going to happen during the exile with certain leaders, such as King Jehoiakim, and then what's going to happen with Nebuchadnezzar making King Zedekiah the puppet king. And all of these illustrations are going to come true. But then at the end of the riddle, or the parable, in verse 22, he mentions that he's going to take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and set it out. That tender shoot is the Messiah. That is Jesus Christ our Lord. He will be the one that will be planted in Israel, will grow, and will do amazing things, and will save his people. This is what Jesus does, right? All the trees of the field, verse 24, all the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. I bring down the high tree. I humble the proud, right? I exalt the low tree. I exalt the lowly. I dry up the green tree. I dry up the ones that are proud and arrogant. And I make the dry tree flourish. Those that are weak, I give them strength. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will perform it. Such definitive statements. That is the God that we serve. He is for us and he is not against us. But as we can see, if we are against him, then he will be against us. As God's children, we are called to a higher calling, and he is our father. We should not ever defy our father. We should obey him and surrender anything in our lives that causes us to give ourselves away to something else. This is a daily pursuit. This is a daily examination. Spend some time today to think about that. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.